put that coffee down. Coffee is for creators only. My name is James Newcomb, and I'm inviting you to an exclusive accountability program that will help you set and achieve your creative goals. It costs nothing but your time and patience. Go to coffeeisforcreators.com to learn more. You're listening to Trumpet Dynamics, telling the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. Young or old, professional or amateur, you never miss a day of practice, or perhaps you're coming back to rediscover the joy you once knew playing your trumpet. For those who love and are fascinated with this crazy mass of metal tubing that no one can seem to master, or is at least wise enough to not admit it if they have, this show covers all of the trumpet dynamics. Michael Hengst is the trumpet teacher, brass area director at MSU Denver, and he recently presented at the ITG conference, virtual conference. The guy's been all over the place, and we're just going to talk shop. Just chew the fat for a couple of minutes for your listening pleasure. So welcome, sir. It's good to have you. It's, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for, for, uh, for, for taking the time and, and, and for the invite. Well... You know it's coming, folks. The w- only question that you can p- count on being asked of every guest, how did you get started on trumpet? My family's always been, you know, sort of musical. My dad played an instrument, and, and we were always encouraged to do so. My brother played uh, the clarinet and the saxophones, and uh, my other brother played drums. And so when I uh, got to fifth grade, I knew a uh, band was coming, and, that, and, and I wanted to play the trombone. And when my mother asked me what I wanted to play, I told her I wanted to play the trombone. And she said, don't you want to play something nice like the trumpet? Something nice. That, that's how I ended up on the trumpet instead of the trombone. And then years later, I found out my parents were pushing me to the trumpet because it was the cheapest one to rent. And they thought that with the sports and stuff that I played, there was no way I was going to stick with this. So they wanted to put as little financial uh, investment into it as possible. Something nice like the trumpet. That's like saying, I want to learn to play trumpet because it's easy. It's only got three valves. And then it's deceiving how difficult it really is. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about your recent talk at the ITG conference because it's a very unique thing. And it's I always love seeing these little, these niche little topics that people get fired up about. But your talk was something along the lines of how to practice while you're not practicing or something, something like that. Yeah. Um, so many years ago now, um, I did a recital and I was practicing um, the Tomasi. I just couldn't quite coordinate the beginning of the third movement there. So it was, it was just a finger thing. And so I, I just started just playing through the instrument, just as I was doing that, I just, I just had this light bulb go off in my head of like, why do I need to tongue that so hard? And so I pushed myself to try to get it lighter. Then I was like, okay, that, that felt a lot easier. Just, and again, I'm not playing. I'm just, I'm just sort of doing, you know, with a set embouchure playing without my lips vibrating, playing the lick without my lips vibrating. I realized I was just tonguing way harder than was, was economical. And so I, I pushed myself to go a little bit lighter. And then when I realized I could just keep pushing myself, I kept pushing myself to, to make it lighter, make it lighter, make it lighter, make it lighter. And then suddenly I went to play it, play the lick. And it was just exactly 
where I wanted it to be. And so I just thought, wait a second, you know, if I can do that, and if that magically puts this very tricky lick right under my fingers where I want it, what else can this do for me? So I, I took some other spots and, and realized that I was just overblowing everything. And upon reflection of like, okay, why did that work? It was, we're so focused on, did we play the right note? Did it have the sound that we want? You know, what, how is my intonation? Thinking about all those things. And when, then when we strip away all of that and you're left with just your airflow and articulation, really, I, I tell my students, it's everything you never wanted to hear about your own articulation. Uh, because, you, you know, our brains are just focused on all those other things. Then I realized that, you know, as, as I did more of this, just in my rest breaks, um, you know, I'd try to play the lick and, you know, you, you go through it in your head. How did that go? How do you, you know, what could have been better? What went well? And, you know, just trying to shed some of that stuff and, and reinforce a good airflow. You know, that sensation of, of just playing like a breath, like you're breathing through the instrument really took over. Um, and, and, you know, those ideals that all of our teachers always tell us to do, but we, we all of us trumpet players know that that's way easier to, to said than done is to, to make it feel, you know, just like you're breathing through the instrument, exhaling through the instrument, and it actually sort of got to that point. So it was just really an efficiency exercise of realizing that I was putting way too much effort into the horn. And, you know, when I just sort of got that more under control and listened for different things, everything just sort of really started to fall into place. You're blowing air through the instrument, and that kind of exposes some of the the issues physically, or not? Yeah, a little bit physically, because there are times that you'll be tonguing something, or objects. I say you'll. I'm talking about me. There are times that I'll be tonguing something, and 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 especially the longer the passage, or the um, the longer the passage, the longer the phrase, the more quick breaths in between. Um, I realize I would get to instead of just a nice, you know, relaxed thing that you're like in the middle of the thing, and you're you know, you have nothing behind it. Your body's tight. It just takes the focus away from everything that we've always been taught to focus on of, of you know, making sure your sound is good. And it, like the things that I mentioned earlier, instead of instead of just, just focusing on that while your lips are vibrating. So just stripping away the vibration with your embouchure still set, reinforcing, you know, just those, those really very, very basic things that we've piled on top of. You're hearing the things that you don't want to hear that are very necessary in order for you to uh, to improve. Again, we don't think about, we think we're light tonguing. We're, we think we're, you know, in a nice flow of articulation and then take off the, the horn and hear, or you take off the vibration, excuse me, and you hear, it comes across okay when you're actually, you know, vibrating and playing, but like that's really taxing. And mm -hmm. as you, as you lighten it up and as you realize, I do not need to work that hard. I do not need to tongue that hard. Mm. I don't need to... Okay be that aggressive, everything starts to really just form around that and really, really maximize all of the good things that you're practicing doing. while you're not practicing. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I mean, I, I just I just hear the passion in your voice. And <laughs> I mean, you look at the topic on the website for the ITG and you're like, okay, snooze fest. Let's see if uh, Andy Griffith rerun is on. I'm going to watch that instead. But <laughs> what I love about doing this show is meeting people like you who have this real specialized thing and it it seems to be uh, a little bit inconsequential but it's hugely important i mean it made a major difference in your career i love that word inconsequential because you know you're not putting yourself at any disadvantage by trying it but yeah that's that's a really that's a really fun way to look at it that it's it's inconsequential there's there's i haven't found you know any kind of uh disadvantage and 
you know, if it's not making sense or it doesn't work for you, then what have you lost by trying it? I, I love the way that you you just brought that, <laughs> gave me that well, word. I'm a regular wordsmith, aren't I? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I guess that's what happens from being a seasoned professional podcast. You learn a thing or two here and there. Well, I want to know a little bit more about you, the trumpet player, because you, you're talking about this breakthrough that you had with the Tomasi and concept that you've been talking about. But and, and you talked a little bit about how you got started, but when did when did the fire get lit inside of you and you say, this is what I want to do? It's something that I always enjoyed, you know, from elementary school and into middle school. And then, of course, got a little bit more serious um, in the high school. I was still, you know, excelling at it. And I, I just noticed other people in my school going into music. And I thought, well, if they can, you know, go into music, why can't I? And so I started to gather, you know, just some information about, about what I would do next. And it wasn't really until I got to UNC Greensboro, studying under Ed Bach, when, when he was there back in the nineties, that it really took off for me. He was, he was the perfect match for me. Um, and, and that school was the perfect match for me at the time uh, because I, I, the idea of a conservatory just didn't appeal to me at the time. Um, I wanted to go to a normal, a quote unquote, normal university. I just, he, I just really took a liking to him right away. And, you know, when he said, here's the things that we would work on, um, I thought that resonated well with me and, and he, he wasn't out to, to change, you know, wholesale changes and, and, and really had a, a very strong belief in me literally from the moment we met. And that was, you know, sort of the polar opposite of some other auditions where uh, there, there was one school that I auditioned at that I still don't know if I auditioned for a trumpet teacher, a band director, a flute player. I have no idea who the person was. Uh, when I got there, his career of, you know, being able to teach, you know, being able to go and play whatever you wanted, that really had a strong appeal to me. And I think that's when I really got um, serious. Not that I wasn't before. Um, most of my most of my high school classmates got really upset with me because while they wanted to watch movies in the band room, I wanted to practice scales. I was not the most popular because they would have to watch whatever movies they were watching during lunchtime while I was practicing scales. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that sort of really intensified when I got into college. I'm a big morning practicer. I'm a big get it done in the morning uh, because, you know, usually when, when people want to go hang out or when something comes up, some disaster comes up, it's usually not at eight in the morning. Um, and so I never had, you, you know, any, anybody, you know, doing that. So, so I would, I would practice, get my practicing done early. And that's something that stuck with me uh, throughout my career as well is, is practicing as early as possible getting, getting it done for the day and feeling good about the day. Um, and I just, I loved practicing, you know, that's something that I, I've realized that not everybody has that same passion for. Like I love getting into a practice room or, or, you know, wherever getting into practicing and figuring stuff out, making things easier. So then I was in a brass quintet, um, at UNC Greensboro, and we did the, um, back in 2001, Brass Quintet Competition of the Americas, which Fred Mills put on the most amazing uh, week of brass I have seen to date. And the reason you haven't heard of this competition before or since, or I think there was one before, is because I think he went so over budget because the mm -hmm. groups that they brought in were, it was um, uh, Rhythm and Brass, St. Louis Brass, 
Um, Art of Brass Vienna. I'm, I'm forgetting some groups, but it all culminated with the U.S. premiere of the German Brass. And oh uh, it was, it was, it, I'm telling you, it was the most incredible week of, of just brass <laughs> ensemble concerts. And, um, and my quintet happened to win this competition. And, you know, I met so many amazing uh, people there. I loved every second of that and got to meet Ray Sasaki there. That's what ended up getting me to the University of Texas for grad school. I stayed there for, for my doctorate. Now, one of the other things that happened there was I got an assistantship to work with the band program. And that was something else that that sort of changed my life because I'm a big sports fan. You know, going and playing or conducting tunes at a, you know, just fun music at a, at a sporting event really appealed to me. Is this in Greensboro or Texas? This is at the University of Texas. And I, I always played in the basketball band there. But um, then getting a chance to do that, I, I did that for six, seven years there, was running the volleyball band, running the women's basketball band for a while. Um, teaching assistant for the the marching band and doing a lot of the men's basketball games too. So then my job came open um, before I had it. It was it was for somebody that taught a brass instrument and had pep band experience. And I, I was always a say yes kind of person. Like, hey, do you think you can do this? Like, yeah. Um, I had never conducted anything in my life up to that point, and you know that that was just a really good fit for me is, is like the trumpet and the pet band stuff. I I've, I've always loved doing that. And, um, you know, the more I got into that, the more I enjoyed that. And now that that's my job, I just, I'm, I'm so grateful and so lucky for that. And I was able to, you, you know, play in different, um, chamber groups, keep that up on um, the rest of the way, including, um, playing in the Boulder Brass, um, which is, which is a, a local group here, but most people know it because head of the group is Michael Allen he does all of the uh, large brass ensemble arrangements and they've been played by every professional group you can think of um, from the New York Phil to, you know, just, just us doing a, a concert of all his arrangements has been really great. One of the other um, things that over the past few years I've, I've completely fallen in love with is uh, playing musicals, just being in every different style. And if, if, if you have a minute for a good story. No, nah, we don't like stories on this show. Sorry. No. Um, all pedagogy only. <laughs> so um, I, I would think of this as more of a life-changing day than, you know, the day that I, I stumbled upon um, just playing without vibration. And, and this is just for me, is that um, I did an audition for uh, the Boulder Philharmonic Orchestra, which is a fantastic uh, professional orchestra um, just outside of Denver. And they had a principal trumpet audition. And I, I took it because that's what I'm supposed to do. I was supposed to want to do that, right? It didn't go well. I left feeling bad about myself. It didn't go well. And then I left right from there to go play my first musical at, you know, we have an equity theater that's again, in one of our suburbs and that's where I play. It was just a night and day thing. I mean, they're both fun music, but it's, it was, it was just a fun music, but a different vibe where when we're doing an orchestral audition and we miss a note, the general tendency totally freeze up and clamp up and, and freak out. And in this setting, you know, I played a note or I, I might've missed a note. We all had a good laugh about it. That was just like a totally different feeling. And, and to have them within hours of each other was such a, an eye-opening experience for me because for so long I had chased what I was supposed to do, what I was supposed to want to do as a professional trumpet player, as a, as a university teacher. You know, I realized, why am I messing with that? Since then, I've, I've gotten to play 
a lot more of these musicals and sometimes it's up to about 120 nights a year. They do three large musicals, but they're, you know, four, five, six week runs. So it's a high demand playing and, and it's, it's just with great people and a, and a great experience. And, and, and again, I think that was one of my biggest career moments was just being able to admit what I, what I prefer, what I like to do, what I'm supposed to do. And if, if that's something worth worth it for me. Now, I, I love when I do get called to play in orchestras. I do love that music still, but but that's, that's never going to be my career. I'm okay with that. Anybody else has a problem with that? That's, you know, how could you not want to take all these auditions? And um, it's just not a fun experience for me. It's fun to prepare it, but doing the, the other kind of playing where you're, you're, you're just in different styles, different keys every, every like two minutes. You know, someone like you, is, you have your own perspective and another person who thrives on that type of environment and that competition environment, they just love it and they wouldn't yeah. have it any, any other way. And everybody's different. But the th- image that came to my mind is, um, and you can have this if you want it. Like the, I got this image of there's a spot in Hawaii where you can be on top of the mountain and it's, you're in a snowstorm and then you go down the mountain and an hour later you're on the beach. That's the image that came to my mind when you're talking about the two contrasts between that audition, which wasn't your cup of tea, and then you go to uh, to to this musical, and you just love it. Yeah. One was a snowstorm. The other was the beach. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I also know that that's not for everybody. There there are people that don't want to play the same music, you know, sixty times in forty days, <laughs> and. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I get it, but, but yeah, that just, ha- again, having those two experiences and, and I've been influenced a lot in my life, um, reading Brene Brown back for, for years before, before a lot of her more recent stuff. And, and uh, again, just that holding on to something that you're supposed to do or that you're supposed to want to do, um, letting go of that can be just so freeing. Um, so if you're listening to this now and you're you're in school because that's what you're supposed to do, maybe that's not what you're supposed to do, you know, or you're 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 doing things just because that's what you're supposed to want to do. Maybe maybe it's something for you to examine to 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 let go of some of those ideas of what you're supposed to want to do, and then also at the same point, th- there's another big idea in her in her in her readings. About, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, but sure. who is this author? You're this is Brene Brown, and um, she has she has some really really famous TED talks, and um, her two books that I prefer most are The Gifts of Imperfection and Daring Greatly. I think it's Daring Greatly has the chapter that's Mind the Gap, and it's um, what do you want to do? What does it take to get there? And what are you willing to do to get to that point? Again, not everybody's willing to get up at 8 a.m. and and practice. And and I, I remember having a conversation with um, another one of the doctoral students at Texas. They asked how I was able to do, you know, marching band, athletic band, do all the on, you know, do, at night and do all the school stuff during the day, and then still study for comprehensive exams. And I was like, oh well, I get home from marching band or athletic events at 10 o'clock or nine o'clock. I'll hang out with my, well, then wife at the time, um, you know, for an hour, hour and a half. And then I'd study until about two in the morning, get up at about six 30 and do it again the next day. And their answer was, well, I could never do that. It was like, well, you know, that's what I have to do to, to be able to fit in 
everything that I want to do to get to that point. And every person that you have interviewed um, will have some sort of sacrifice or, or extenuating thing that they have done to, to get to where they want to be. It's just, what are you willing to do to get to, 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 to where you want to be and to, to get to the kind of career that you want to have? Self-examination of what your purpose is. And the word that comes to my mind is ikigai. And it's a Japanese word that refers to like your life's mission. And I just did a podcast. I released it a week ago with a author who wrote a book on this concept of ikigai. I encourage everybody to go check that out. A really, really good episode. One of the better ones that I've done. Second to this one, obviously, Michael. But seriously, I, I hear what you're saying because like what motivated you to do to keep up that crazy schedule was this just lights your fire. It wasn't drudgery. It wasn't a drain. It was obviously, I'm sure you were very tired, but the work that you were doing, it just gave you so much, Just it was just part of why you felt you were on this earth. Like I said, when I was a freshman and figured out that this is what I wanted to do, you know, just keeping things open for, for, for what, you know, whatever was to come. And yeah, I was a little bit nervous at first doing, you know, the conducting stuff and the, the athletic band stuff, but you know, I figured it out and realized that that was a good, it was something that I thoroughly enjoyed and would, would only help me in the future. And, and then little did I know there was a, a job coming around the corner that had literally word for word, everything that I had done all through grad schools. And this is your current position? Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and um, what does MSU stand for? Metropolitan State University of Denver. Really? Yeah. It is a, uh, it's a, it's a school. It's, it's right downtown in Denver. Um, okay. Right across from well, now it's the Ball Arena. It used to be the Pepsi Center. So um, there, it's 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 wonderful. There are times I can leave work and just walk across into a hockey game or a basketball game, or right here in the middle of Denver, and uh, which is just an amazing place uh, to to live and to be. And that also falls into a little bit of what we've been talking about. You know, not always chasing what's next, and not always. Uh, I, I heard during the um, NCAA tournament. I wish I was paying closer attention, but I'm pretty sure I was literally, I was practicing during this game um, was, was they asked one of the smaller schools, the coach about, about different, some of the, some of the larger school openings that he was rumored to be a candidate for. And he said, why mess with happy? And that made all the sense in the world to me. Like I, I have a wonderful job. I live in an amazing place um, and, and have just so much at my fingertips that like I, I don't really want to mess with happy right now and um, and and chasing what's next again, just because that's what I'm supposed to want to do. I heard uh, a podcast with Stan Van Gundy, who uh, was a basketball coach. He just got let go from his position coaching uh, in the NBA for the New Orleans team. And he talked about how the happiest he had ever been coaching was um, was like a junior college. And that sometimes he thinks, what if I just had stayed there? I really couldn't ask for anything more from my situation. I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful. I, I, I literally could not ask for anything more being in the position that I'm in. Sometimes we lose sight of that to think about, well, what's next? How do I ascend? You know, the grass is not always greener on the other side. You know, I, I think we all have to rein that in as we work towards what's next, because that's what we're always taught as students, as um, young professionals and at some point you realize that, you know, maybe, maybe you've already arrived at, at what's next. 
And that's that's the best thing. Preach it, brother. Preach it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting Love into a lot, of, a lot of different areas. Oh but, man, this is great. You know when, but when I when I started at at MSU Denver, uh, you know, whenever I go to conferences, you know, people would ask, "Oh, well, how long are you going to stay there?" And <laughs> and I just could never come up with with anything that was, you know, when I when I looked at uh, would look at another job posting, it would say, you, you know, okay, what does that have that that my current situation doesn't? And yeah, I, sometimes you just can't answer that question. Well, I mean, you you use the word bragging, like you you said you don't want to sound like you're bragging, but people, and this is just a surface look at your resume. You'd say Metropolitan State University. When is he going to get a real job? Like, when is he going to get a, a like a professorship at one of the big conservatories? This is just what some people, or and some people in your position might think. You're exactly right. But you you're you're at a place where you're like, man, this is what I want. Yeah, I have amazing students. Um, amazing colleagues, which that's, <laughs> that's, that's definitely not always the case. Just incredible colleagues. Um, I teach, you know, sort of general trumpet stuff. Um, Shane Ensley from Kneebody teaches jazz trumpet. And then Ron Miles, um, is, is, uh, just, you know, jazz great and legend. Ron Miles is, um, on our faculty and, you know, in our department and the three of us, you know, get together from time to time. Shane and I had this great routine of, um, of just playing duets every Monday. We finally gotten into the routine and then COVID hit. So we'll have to start that again. And, and um, I get probably at least, at least one, usually at least two emails a week from Ron Miles of just like these amazing um, trumpet resources. He is the most like eager to learn person I've ever met in my life. And, and, I mean, I, I push myself to get better and to be better. And, um, and yeah, I'm just like still pushing myself to, to Ron's level of, of trumpet love and, and trumpet, um, you know, getting better at everything. And so having, having colleagues like that, um, where we're all working together and it's not, there's no butting of heads or anything. Cause we all just have our own little areas that we do. And then being able to live in Denver and, and the musical opportunities that come up here and, and those kind of things and, and being able to play, you know, a hundred nights a year. And I, I also have twin daughters and I like to spend a lot of time with them and I couldn't ask for anything more. I I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful, you know, just to, just to sort of put a cap on what you said, my, you know, some of the, some of those books that I referenced earlier, um, as well as Mark Manson's book that begins with the subtle art um, if you guys just Google Mark Manson, the subtle art, it will autofill the rest of it for you. Are, you're laughing like you know what I'm talking about. I'll, I'll let Google um, say some of those words. The subtle art of not giving a... There you go. Um, but through those books, I've really come across the idea that there are so many people that say exactly, you know, what you said they might say about, you know, when they see my school, my resume, what has he ever done? What That's fine. Um, that any kind of reaction like that isn't necessarily a detriment to myself. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm happy, I'm content, I'm grateful to be in this position. And if somebody can't recognize that, that's, I can't, I can't control somebody's perception and what, what somebody else thinks. Letting go of what other people think is another powerful thing. And it's, and it's, that's a lifelong um, at least at, at 40, almost 41 years old, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a lifelong endeavor, but the sooner you can start to give that, let go of that, 
um, the, the easier being a musician and being somebody in the trumpet community is going to be. I don't think anyone listening to this can doubt that you're happy. Well, that's good. Uh, and, and I like to nerd out on these kind of things too. I will, you know, talk about trumpet. Well, what's your favorite musical to play? The first two thirds of a chorus line are. Okay. What's your first, what's your favorite full musical? To play? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really enjoy Jesus Christ Superstar. It's good music, good trumpet parts. It's about an hour and 50 minutes long. And yeah, it's that, that, that that's a, a pretty complete package. Yeah. The first two thirds of a chorus line, there's a 10 minute monologue, which just kind of kills the whole show. Uh, <laughs> and then it's just, it's just every variation of the tune one for the next I don't, I don't know how long it is, 45 minutes or so. But yeah, I, again, that's that's another thing. It's like challenging yourself to sit for about 10 minutes and then just play nothing but that first, you know, up to an E flat that's got, you know, that um, tritone up to an E flat for about a whole page of that. It, it's fun to figure out how to, how to be able to execute stuff like that because that's the hard part. It's just like you sit for 10 minutes and then that you just go off on that for a while. And you know, just, just the subtle challenges of that. It's, it's, it's fun to figure out, you know, what's going to work for that. So. All right. Last question. What is uh, one player or one maybe piece of music that in your opinion has flown under the radar that more people need to know about? Selena Ott. Oh my goodness. Um, I just listened to her new CD um, and, and, and maybe flown under the radar cause she's very, very young, but um Gosh, I listened to her new CD, which has Intrada, the Oniger, Desenclo, and uh, Vasilenko. I could not get enough of it. Was just blown away by by that CD. Um, everybody, go listen to it. Go buy it. Selena Ott. How do you spell that? S E L E N A. It's her first name. Ott. O T T. Oh, okay. Make sure I got that first name right. Was she Swedish? Austrian. Oh, Austrian. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, just, uh, I, I was just blown away. <laughs> wow. Okay. But Great. yeah, um, other ones, Ruben Simeo, I, I can't get enough of his playing and, uh, Matthias Hoffs, uh, from the German brand. Yeah. He's under the radar. Maybe, maybe okay. that's what I'm considering under the radar is just cause like I can consume everything they've ever played and still want more. more. Okay. <laughs> so. All right. I'm thinking about like nobody, nobody, knows of this person but they should but you gave a great one selena ott i'm gonna check her out yes um and and i think i'm i'm a little late to to that party um oh excuse me it's s-e-l-i-n-a my fault awesome all right folks well this is james newcomb and i've been uh with uh, michael hankst of uh, the metropolitan state university denver and uh just infectious enthusiasm and it was perfect for me because I started this call at 10 p.m. my time here in Vietnam. Oh wow! And so it was the it was the perfect interview to do <laughs> at 10 at 10 p.m. So, man, I really appreciate your time and sharing uh, your energy and your story and uh, ways of practicing while I'm not practicing. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to that again. It's gonna take me a couple of takes to fully digest what you said, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to incorporating it into my own playing. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. That was, that was a blast. Thank you. Trumpet Dynamics tells the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. It also tells my own story 
Join me on this journey through the world of making music and making life at jamesnewcomontrumpet.com. I have blogs, videos, event calendar, and much more. And of course, if you just want to access this great podcast, just remember the URL, trumpetdynamics.com, and you're off to the races. Looking forward to the next time. Be well.